discuss all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nancy. And this week, we are going on a journey. We're going to take the hero's journey, a la Joseph Campbell. But first, don't forget to like and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast players. Follow us over on Instagram and Facebook. You can join our Facebook group. We've been shockingly faithful at updating those things. Yes, um, she has. She has. <laughs> shockingly faithful, and I would appreciate some respect. No. <laughs> that was a joke. Friends. We'll get the girl some likes. We'll need some likes. She needs attention. No. Um, and I have started switching our TikTok over to this sort of conversation. Slowly but surely, we'll get there. So... With, uh, and if you need to email us, you can reach us at lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. That's the website, lunarmagicteatime.com. Okay, let's get into this because this is going to be this is going to be a lot. We're going to cram a lot of stuff into this episode, but it is. I am so excited for this one. One of the goals that Nancy and I have both had when we started this was really bringing concepts of spirituality to pagan practices in a deeper more thoughtful way. But I felt that before we started doing that, we really needed to get a foundation of practice. So, you know, kind of like if you were raised in the Christian church, if you were a child raised in the Christian church, hi, that's me, <laughs> you went to Sunday school and you learned some very basic things, but you were also learning the very basic rituals. And then when you became older, you went to youth group or Bible study and you really delve deep into the theology and the message. We've kind of covered the basics, so we've kind of done our Sunday school run, <laughs> and now we're kind of delving into a deeper thing. You know, we're going from, from college level 101, and now we're moving into 201. So, the hero's journey. The hero... <laughs> this, the, it, it's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's so easy for people to grab onto. When I start to explain it, our listeners will do exactly what Nancy did, which is go, oh, yes, grab, 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 grab. Yeah, I did. But I was... <laughs> I'm not sure if it's multidimensional or anything, but I started calling it the hero's ladder. And then this afternoon I was thinking, you know what? Fun enough, you can go now, right? And we're exactly. It's don't know where that came from, but it's now in my mind, it's the hero's ladder. It's perfect. <laughs> it's actually so good. Okay. So it's a very familiar literary framework, and especially in things like epic fantasy or a lot of YA. You will know what I'm talking about. The hero's journey, I, I want you to take a minute and think Harry Potter or my favorite, Lord of the Rings or even the Dresden novels. But you have to look a little harder for that in the Dresden novels. It's one of the reasons I like them. So what is the hero's journey? To me, I think of it as a shamanic map. And we'll get into that a little bit. But let's, let's just give you some framework. It is codified... It's a codified way to explore spirituality and theology, if you're into theology. But it codifies it. It gives us places, people, ways to pinpoint where we are in the story or the myth. So, a hero's journey consists of the ordinary world, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's how we live, where we live, who we live with. It's ordinary. So, we start in the ordinary world. And then there is a call to adventure. 
in literature, it's often a strange message or a plea for help. You know, it might be a grumpy wizard showing up on your door and saying, hey, these idiot dwarves need, a, need some help. <laughs> it might be. I don't know your life. inevitably there is a refusal of the call i'm not going with these smelly words i I do not want to go and do this thing (laughs) and we see it in almost every story that reluctance to pick up the task and then there's the meeting of the mentor Now, the mentor in the analogy I've been using, which has been very Tolkien-focused, is obviously Gandalf. But is it always exclusively Gandalf? Absolutely not. It's Galadriel or that wanker Elrond. Or (laughs) (laughs) But I have opinions. I see that. (laughs) I have very strong feelings about Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Some of them are a little controversial. I acknowledge that. (laughs) I don't care. Um, Typically, once you've met the mentor, they prod you on their way and you cross the threshold. And that's picking up the quest or getting ready to. Doing something that sets you on the actual path. Along the way, you're likely to to encounter tests, allies, and enemies. So people who aid you, hurt you, push your buttons. (laughs) And... And we'll get into we'll get into how these things can happen in various ways, but or in everyday life, <laughs> or in everyday life. But that's but that's that Joseph Campbell was like, look at ways the hero's journey is in your life. Yeah, like you're you're not gonna see it when you're in the middle of it. I I doubt very much that Bilbo, as he was taking off to follow the dwarves, was thinking, you know, oh, I'm gonna save. The dwarven, no, no, he was just thinking, I'm tired of being Bilbo in this little hobbit village. I'm going to go do something adventurous. Yeah. I mean, really at the core of it, that's what he was thinking. But he was pushed along his way by some shade from the dwarves. And (laughs) uh, at some point along the journey, you will approach to the innermost cave. And this is the most blatantly shamanic language we can give you. This is shadow work. Um. In Celtic shamanism, um, the the shaman will frequently envision either walking into a cave or into tree roots to go into the other world. And so it's very much the imagery of going deep into the earth and meeting your darkest self. And your darkest self doesn't need to be this big, bad, scary, horrible thing. But it can be the things that you push down. It can be the, the trauma you've chosen to ignore. Or it can be the celebrations that you have also chosen to ignore. Yeah, interesting. But at the heart of it, the approach to the innermost cave, that's just straight up shadow work in the most Jungian way. And then you have the supreme ordeal. I personally like to call this the meeting of ourselves because I'm often the biggest boss I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that's a fact. Um, But if you, again, using the Hobbit especially, uh, 
what did where on the map is you can pinpoint on in the hobbit every point on the map now the thing with the journey is sometimes you're going to circle back to certain points you may not get all the way to the innermost cave all at once you may have to retreat back home and then get reprodded out like and this is just one of the reasons we're talking about this today is it's always been my goal to help people regain the ability to think mythologically when we relied heavily on myth and folklore and stories as our education we had to think differently we had to think about allegory. We had to think about um, illusion and how things are presented and how you can apply the most random story. So one of the things that I've wanted to do with this podcast is help teach people how to think mythologically. When we were relying on storytelling and myth, and legend and folktale as key components to our education of our culture, whatever that culture is, you had to think differently. You had to be able to think in allegory, but you had to be able to take the lessons that you learned from these stories and apply them to real life. And you had to be able to say, well, I'm encountering this situation that I don't understand in my real life. Is there a myth or a legend or a folklore that I can pull from and apply? And I think we have kind of lost that ability. We do see it in places. We see people grasping for it, grasping for that, that level of storytelling and depth in their storytelling. We see it in fandom cultures where fans will dissect the ever-living crap out of every single story. What they're doing is they're looking for the myth and the meaning on a spiritual level. But, I mean, it occurred to me today. When they, they act like it's true history. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people in this house argue over the meaning of them. But the beautiful thing about fandoms and myths, because you cannot tell me that supernatural is not all myth and legend, baby. But, but history is now being proved that some of those myths, quote, unquote, are actually true. Yes. I mean, they might have been. But we're going to get into that. That's embellished. But. <laughs> that not for this episode, because we will go down a deep, dark hole, and we don't need to do that yet. We need that one to be structured. <laughs> so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm working on this foundation of what is... What is the hero's journey? Because that is the one that we can easy, most easily apply. You can pinpoint places in your life where you're like, oh, well, this was my refusal to the call of action. Or this was where I met a mentor who I didn't think at the time was a mentor. Because often in myths and legends are mentors. We're going to get into that. because That's our next part. But quickly, let me review the spots, the, the progression of the hero's journey is some variation of the ordinary world, the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, meeting with the mentor, crossing the threshold, test allies and enemies, approach to the innermost cave, and the supreme ordeal. And again, 
these can pop up in various ways and various different points in various different orders, except generally speaking, the ordinary world and the supreme ordeal will be your bookmarks, bookends. So I'm going to invite us to take just a minute and think about a story that we love, one that you know very, very well. Think of your favorite part of the story and where that might fall on this map. One of my favorite movies is Galaxy Quest, which is arguably the best Star Trek movie ever made. Don't fight me. <laughs> and one of my favorite scenes is the moment that the aliens learn that the show was a lie. They are torturing, and it's, it's awful. And there's a confluence of places here on our map. The big bad guy, Saris, is acting as a mentor to both Tim Allen's character, Jason, and Enrico Colatoni's character, Mathazar. How is he doing that? How is he a mentor to both? Through the torture. <laughs> Wait, what? Um, Mathazar, or not Mathazar, Saris is telling Mathazar a very, very hard truth about the universe, that people lie, which opens Mathazar up to his growth, right? So Saris is offering, in this moment, is offering Mathazar his first call to adventure. This is the moment Mathazar realizes he, that the world is a lie, the universe is a lie, and that he can lead his people in his way. Saris, by doing this, helps Jason see that the action and the lies that, that Jason's been telling his entire career, because if you remember Tim, Tim Allen's character is William Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> I'll fight that old man on sight. <laughs> that his actions all have consequences. And his consequences have led to an entire species of people on the verge of being wiped out. And this is a moment where Jason has the opportunity to shed his ego, i.e. approach the innermost cave and battle his worst demons, which are himself and Saras. <laughs> and that shedding of the ego helps him become the hero he needs to be. And that's how we think mythologically. <laughs> And I'm really proud of that. So, Nancy. Okay, so <laughs> if you haven't discovered already, Nancy's type A. And I took this assignment a little too, <laughs> too much. I took the, all the um, steps. I'm going up the ladder. And I, my movie, because I love it, is Moana. And I needed to have a female hero. So I watched the whole movie. And I totally forgot how beautiful it was. But when she's a toddler and she goes down and she's saving the turtle and the waves with her and she's picking on the shells and she had the, the heart and all that. And then the grandmother, I love that grandmother's like, I'm just a crazy old grandmother. I can do what I want. Which is like goals. Um, but her, oh, the, her whole life having the love for the sea and the call, because it turns out mm -hmm. later on that that was her people. They were voyagers. They were all that. When she goes to the island, starts everything starts dying and that, and then the grandmother tells her that's her journey. So to me, the grandmother was the first mentor, mentor mm -hmm. obviously all her life, and then right to her dying breath, and then later on she comes back as a stingray. Stingray, because you pick something on an island, that would be cool. And then Maui, he teaches her how to sail, even though he's reluctant, and the ocean has to slap him around a little bit. He becomes her mentor and demigods. Am I right? Demigods, yeah. 
And uh, oh, there was the crazy coconut pirates. That's what I call them. <laughs> and the tomato, the crab <laughs> with the gold. Uh, okay. There's all kinds of allies and enemies. And then the one of the big, the key being was the um, the goddess, right? But then the other one was called Ka. Is actually hers. So she turns out if she's the big demon or whatever of the movie and it turns out that she was created that way because he took her heart and then she became this creature. So one of the internet's uh, cave, I thought about, I don't know the timing of it, but um, when she doubted herself. Mm -hmm. And we all do that. We have a path and we doubt ourselves, and she, um, she's like, why, I don't know why the ocean picked me. And that's when her grandmother appears, and you, this is your destiny. But she had that self-doubt. Mm -hmm. And at the end, so the other thing that made me think, really, we've all forgotten who we are, whether it's by design or whatever people you want to call. Capitalism. Capitalism. We are so much more powerful and capable of, and you've heard me say this before, like, if they just pull down the wall around us, then we're, her, her I don't even know what, what they tried in, uh, in Hawaii, what they call their, their oh, island. Sure. Keep locked down mm -hmm. their um, their past. Locked the boat, the ships were locked up, and everything, and wanted to keep everybody self-contained on the island. So they, as a as a um, community, lost their heritage and who they truly were. And even though he did it for what he thought were very, very good reasons, yeah. he was protecting his people. He was he was desperate to protect his people, but he protected them too much. Yeah, to the point. Well, he she tells a little bit of that backstory that he defied his father, went out in the ocean, and he lost his best friend and drowned, and he wasn't able to save him. So as you can see, I kind of took that <laughs> down. <laughs> A more thorough path than I noticed I was supposed to. <laughs> no, no, no. We're all good because this is this is there are no there are no right or wrong answers. Yeah. The point is for these exercises is to be thinking, and then when you're thinking, and when you're you know like Nancy and I do when we talk these things out, we uh, oh wait I didn't see it like this. Maybe if I do you know da 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 da. That's how the growth is supposed to happen. And when I say growth, I mean this is this is the goal is for us to grow as people and and do better and and yeah, it's a hard path sometimes. <laughs> it sucks. Anyway, <laughs> being a better person, you're a lot better when they don't get out on the road. <laughs> That's my. So the thing about Nance, <laughs> I have. Well, I wouldn't classify it as road rage. Annoyed that you know what I mean. It's not rage. Um, I prefer to refer to it as um, road swears. I do have road swears because <laughs> I mean we're 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 a sweary couple of girls anyway. But oh my stars and garters! I, um, you turn Jordan. into my grandmother when you're behind the wheel, and she, that woman could swear. I really don't curse that much outside of driving. I no, don't. I mean I do more now because. People around me can't read it. Yeah. Um, I was driving with Jordan once, and someone made me mad. And he goes, "That's the first time I've heard the F word used as a noun, an adjective, and a verb all in one sentence." 
do that as well. I mean, I just grew up assuming that it was how you flavor your sentences. No, I know I'm driving. I mean, Which makes it hard when you have your grandchildren in the car. Because <laughs> I didn't curse when my kids were really... You know what, what Bud's first word was, right? I can only imagine. It was shit. And we were on the phone with the bank. So, I'm a real good Grammy right there. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, okay. Okay. So, the next part. along the way, we're going to gather some resources, right? Mm-hmm. We can't just go out adventuring. You got to pack your pack. You're going to need your tent and, you know, some food. Food is good if we're going to go on an adventure. Yeah. All right. Okay. And water. Water is great. I forget water <laughs> so often. Anyway, uh, so we're going to gather helpers, and we're going to gather knowledge, and we're hopefully going to also gather wisdom. Hopefully. The key to the journey here is going to be meeting the archetypes. And I mean this in the most Jungian way possible. <laughs> um, Jung believed that, that humanity is made up of archetypes and that our myths are made up of archetypes and that we can apply the knowledge of these archetypes to our lives to live better, more full life. And by archetype, I mean this both very stereotypically, an example of a person or a type of personality, but also recurrent symbols in our mythological language. It's all part of the human collective and our collective unconsciousness, which I'm, I'm prepping our next episode. You'll get a lot of information there, too. Like, it's, it's a lot. We got months of this stuff coming. <laughs> These are also going to be pretty codified archetypes. Well, I mean, it's right there in the word archetype. It's yep. codified. I don't know why I repeated myself because I give myself outlines and then wing it. So. <laughs> okay, so our archetypes. Ready? We're going to go. Ready? The hero. Mm-hmm. Now, the hero is typically somebody who is going to willingly sacrifice their needs for others. Typically. We've been flipping the script a little bit in our modern literature with heroes being a little less willing, Tony Stark didn't cut the wire until he cut the wire. Right? Yeah. Like, and if you get that Marvel reference, hi, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> um, but but there's a scene in Avengers, that scene in Avengers where Cap and Tony are fighting, and like, are you gonna fall on the grenade? No, I'm just gonna cut the wire. I'm just gonna cut the wire. Well, what did Tony do as his last act? He fell on the fucking grenade. Yeah. Like we, I can, I can heroes journey any Marvel movie. <laughs> I spend a lot of time on Disney Plus. <laughs> okay, so then you're gonna meet your mentor, a teacher trainer who aids the hero by teaching and protecting them. Nick Fury. I've switched topics now. I've switched <laughs> from LOTR. I was gonna keep it all LOTR and then, but um. If we're going to stick with LOTR, definitely Gandalf is a mentor. Absolutely. Um, Aragorn has behaved as a mentor. And you know what? I'm going to say it. Sam. Samwise Gamgee. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oops, sorry. You're going to meet a threshold guardian. A character who serves to keep the unworthy from entering. In Lord of the Rings, it's, it's Shiva, the spider. Or it's any of the tricks or weird little blocking, like the speak friend and enter, the Mines of Moria. Mm-hmm. 
But a threshold guardian can also just be reluctance to do the task, you know? A herald, you're gonna meet a herald, and this is usually a messenger of the gods or the universe. Um, again, this can be also your threshold guardian. I'm trying to think of an exact, because I had one in, and I think I might be wrong. I need to rewatch that movie, Labyrinth. <laughs> We're gonna meet a shadow. This can be ourselves, but it can also be ourself in a figurative way. It can be the culmination of the things we fear or the, the ideas we are reluctant to embrace. Mm -hmm. We're likely to meet a trickster who on any point on the path is meant to fool you into going off of the path. Gollum is definitely a trickster character. Honestly, so is Pippin. Yeah. He's not malicious in his steering us. And he gets back on there. He does it. Like, Pippin has his own thing. Like, we're not... But anyway. And a shapeshifter. Or anything that is not what it seems. So, Aowen. Okay? And again, there's going to be a lot of intersectional points here. For example, your trickster can be a shapeshifter. So there can be a lot of intersection on this list. Like your trickster can be a shapeshifter. And in fact, a lot of tricksters are shapeshifters in mythology. Loki. Mythological Loki was absolutely a shapeshifter. Uh, Zeus. You guys can't see Zeus your eyes and she gets into this. <laughs> I have a lot of opinions about the deities. We're all pretty lucky I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> or the shapeshifter can be a mentor. Now, no way, because this... I think a really good example of an intersection character is Emperor Palpatine. Because here is where one of my favorite topics of the conversation comes up. Is Palpatine good or is Palpatine bad? It's going to depend on which side you're on, isn't it? So Palpatine is the trickster because he absolutely tricked the Senate into giving up all their power. Absolutely, that was maliciously intended as a trick. He is a mentor to Anakin no, I won't start. I, I did. I did rant about ten minutes. Um, <laughs> um, he is also the shadow, right? He is everything we don't want to meet, and yet we have to meet him and we have to deal with him, right? And he's a shapeshifter because throughout all of the first three, however you want to count, but through all of, all of those movies, he is presenting so many different faces and so many different facets. That his being the trickster and being the shadow and being, you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. Until it's too late. Yeah. So, let's take just another minute. We're going to take just another minute and we're going to think of a favorite character. Any favorite character, anything you want. And where are they on the archetype list? So I recently read the Court of Air series by Holly Black. It is um, a YA series. It is very entertaining. It is very light. It's a very good representation of how I view the Fae. And our hero in the story is a girl named Jude. Her nemesis, and I'm putting that in aggressive quotes, is Cardin. Because Cardin is shadow. He is trickster. He is also a guardian. He will not let Jude cross into these spaces that she's not yet prepared to cross into. Yeah. 
he acts sometimes as a mentor in a weird, twisted, messed up way because Cardin is dumb as a post. (laughs) (sighs) The number of times in reading those three books where I went, oh my God, I don't know which one of you was dumber. But like in a fun way. Well, you have my. I have the first one. Yeah. Read it. Um, but also, Cardin is on his own journey, and you learn that through the books. Like you, at first, when you read the first one, you see that Jude is clearly on a hero's journey. Like you, you can see because it's we're reading it from Jude's point of view, and like, yeah. and we clearly see that Jude is on her own journey. And then when you finish the books and you sit back and you read the the companion book. There's a companion book called How the King of Alfheim Learned to Hate Stories. <laughs> like the title. And you go, oh, oh, A, Cardin, still dumb as a post, but, oh. So, okay. So, again, everybody, I'm going to finish. You you tell your, your sorry. Okay. Um. <laughs> a lot of effort into the first part so the second one I'm like I'm just gonna wing this anybody that knows me for the last 20 years the first 10 years I was the biggest 24 fan there ever was mm-hmm. what Troy am Black Bauer yes because he could do things that in the show they'd be like yes but in real life he would go mm, no you shouldn't do that so he's the hero. He sacrificed himself time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, the mentor, other people just ignored him. He might more of the protecting um, battle. That boy did have some dark sides. Mm-hmm. Definitely after <laughs> all the stuff he's been through, and he saved the world and the United States so many times. And the government would turn on. He wanted him to do the dark stuff, and then he turned on him. Um, shapeshifters. It almost got to the annoying part, but every single season there was a traitor inside. Mm-hmm. Dude, do you not background check your people? <laughs> How can you have a traitor every single time? It's not that big of a crew. Well, as it turned out, it's not that it's hard not to not. smuggle documents <laughs> out of the White House. Yes. See? And he was a hero. He saved them every time. Like, but like I said, my joke was some people, like, they watched 24 and they thought that that should be real life. Mm, we, no. we had fans because it's something you could, it was okay to embrace that in a fictional world. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you wouldn't want him to do that to real Jack Bauer. Because he, let's, let's face it, you know, he pushed the buttons. <laughs> Him and uh, well, the, my joke was always the JB because it was Jack Bauer, Jason Bourne, James Bond. Oh, yeah, JBs, <gasps> right? Think about it. <laughs> I just took her down. Wow, no, that's so good. That's really interesting. No, because I, I, I mean, yeah, because you, yeah, I wouldn't make those connections. I mean, we joke about it. it was, Maybe. Oh, that's really interesting. I'm sure someone down the road did it on purpose. Oh, I don't know. Probably. So, just to review the archetypes, and then we'll, we're about at the end of this episode, but the archetypes are the hero, the mentor, 
the threshold guardian, the herald, the shadow, the trickster, and the shapeshifter. So to kind of wrap this up, these archetypes and these places on our mythological mental map are guides to help us live richer and fuller, more meaningful and more intentional lives. Because we, when we take a minute and say, okay, even when we're just, let, let's just say we're just sitting down to watch a new show. You know, if we're sitting down to watch a new show, you know, are we watching it with the intention of, of in just passively watching it, just enjoying the story? That's fine. That's great. Mm-hmm. I do that with um, RuPaul's Drag Race. I don't get invested. No one's on the hero's journey that I care about. I mean, that's not true, but like, they're not telling me their hero's journey. But if I'm watching something with the intention of like it being important, or if I'm re-watching something because it is important, why am I re-watching it? What about it is resonating with me? And why why does it matter to me? So um, one of the things that, one of the examples, I guess, I want to share is I realized that... Um, my absolute favorite scene, as of right now, in all of the Marvel Universe, all of Marvel Cinematic Universe, my absolute favorite scene is in Endgame, where Cap has had his ass beat down. <laughs> and every, nobody, everybody's on the ground. No one, like, half the team is buried under rubble still, and God knows what Stark's off doing. Like, everybody mm-hmm. is beat down and he cap still gets up and he tightens that busted ass shield while thanos is directing his army across the field you know to kill the single man standing and what do you hear on your left and every time every time (laughs) i get the chills because this is a man who stood up and said i will fight to my absolute death i will absolutely die he didn't care that he was alone but then he was not alone yeah. because we're not alone. We all have support. You just got to don't see. You just don't see them sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. Do you see your guides? Do you? <laughs> and, and that scene I get, and I thought, why, why is that scene like my absolute favorite out of all of the great scenes? Like, why, why that one? And it's because it is not just hope. It is hope that has survived through everything has refused to give up and community it is hope and community like i don't even need to watch it to where he says avengers assemble like i yeah that's great i love it (laughs) i'm not gonna lie that's pretty great but when i have scenes that impact me deeply i go why why what about it is impacting me deeply because that matters we should be exploring why we're affected by the things in our world yeah so that is the hero's journey we are going to be delving into, I had originally said we're going to be doing something else, but I found an essay that I need to break down, and I think we're going to do a little more exploration of how to think and apply myth to our life. Oh, okay. Um, in our next episode, I have a lot, I have some reading to do this weekend to see if I can pull it together and like formulate it the way I want to, and then we'll be deep, deep diving into some darker stuff. It's going to be great. I'm really excited for where we're going. Great. So, don't forget to like and follow and subscribe. Leave us some reviews. 
You can find us on all of your podcasting things. Uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, Podbean. There was another one. I always forget it. Anyway, like us over on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok. I have no idea if the merch is still up because I keep forgetting to check. <laughs> and um, I just want to close out and say one of the things that watching the movie is that we've forgotten our cast. We've forgotten the our abilities. So I wish for everybody to try to remember your past. Try to remember why we're here. We talk a lot about soul groups and reasons that we're going through our traumas. Um, and my closing remark is today's magic is tomorrow's science. Mm-hmm. Thanks, and have a magical day. Mm-hmm.